0: Welcome to and introducing a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing our first ever mini series, welcome to We Pod Acano, an Our Band Could Be Your Life mini series. We are taking a journey through Michael Azaret's Chronicle of the 1980s American Music Underground. And today we will start that journey with the legendary Black Flag. Starting as the musical outlet of soul-consistent member Greg Ginn, Black Flag pioneered what would become known as the sound of hardcore punk in SoCal in the late 70s. After adding legendary intense guy Henry Rollins as vocalist in 1981, the band became one of the most powerful and influential acts in underground rock. Touring relentlessly, Black Flag also constantly reinvented their sound, helping define hardcore even as they alienated fans with each new iteration. (laughs) 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 After five years of endless and endlessly violent shows, constant lineup changes and internal tensions eventually tore the band apart, but not before they blazed a trail for thousands of underground acts to follow. And today we'll be talking all about Flag, Rollins, and more through chapter one of Michael Azarad's Our Band Could Be Your Life. But first, let's introduce our own guest. He's an artist, comedian, and dungeon master of the insanely rude podcast, Rude Tales of Magic. folks. It's Branson Reach.
1: Hey, how you doing, motherfuckers?
0: <laughs> Are you ready to bring that getting beat up on stage energy to this podcast?
1: Am I ever? God, I've been ready since. Honestly, I'm less ready, but I like started getting ready at 15, and it's just been like a entropy of like of life and age ever
0: since.
2: <laughs> now I'm just thinking of like, what if there were? What if there's a podcast that was as uh, violent and intense as a Black Flag show? Just, like, moshing and uh, getting into fights and stuff. Who, pulling who
0: fans on stage just pulling to fans beat on the stage, shit out of them as they them try to beat the shit out of you.
2: Knuckle sandwiches. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. That'd be a cool thing to do. You guys should try that.
0: We're not there yet in podcast development. We're still to in the early stages. We're in, like, the... Um the the sixties of like podcasts as rock scene where it was like considered a uh, too too rude and uncomfortable to grow your hair beneath you, uh, longer than your ears mm. oh
1: yeah it was like the whole uh, all of music was like military school yeah
0: exactly <laughs> but give it another twenty years and I'm sure that there'll be podcast shows where kids are getting beat up at I think that
2: sounds cool good
0: uh, so here we are at the beginning of a journey through the eighties underground rock scene in America. Uh, spanning indie, punk, college rock, all sorts of those things. But we start at the very beginning with the uh, band that that led the way for them all, Black Flag, Uh, certainly one of the uh, angriest, uh, (laughs) most alienating groups. And and I say angry as, like, sincerely angry, because there's a lot of rock bands in the 80s who are like, kind of pretended to be angry, like all that hair metal, like, we're not going to take it stuff. It it, it seems, when you put it up against Black Flag, it seems a little, uh, like, a put-on, you know?
1: No, Black Flag had the courage to be difficult to listen to. They were so angry. Like, it's like Happy Mondays level, just like bad vibes, even at their best. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. it's a pain. And I love Black I mean, Black Flag's like, you know, one of my top bands. But like, boy, uh, Greg, I think like, Greg Ginn is like, he's definitely one of my favorite guitarists. And of my favorite guitarists, he is the one I like the least. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> like, he's so yes. unpleasant. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah relentlessly unpleasant is a good way to describe them and they have that kind of energy where they're like they're so angry you're surprised they can even finish the songs before they just throw their instruments down and uh, disgust at themselves
1: yeah and each other yes
0: yes we'll get into this but there's a a vibe of pervasive hate that just cuts through the entire the entire project even as they are also like the most dedicated musicians in the world I was
2: just gonna say, it's amazing to me that uh, they have so much energy to be so mad when, like, <laughs> it takes everything pretty much out of me to just like have an interaction at the bagel store. I'm, I'm just impressed by their their fervor.
0: Yes, uh, dedicated, consistent hate and anger, but in a way that really uh, energizes a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So let's start as we usually do on this show by uh, going around and saying, "You're like, what? What brought you to Black Flag?" And uh, you know, Branson, you said that they're one of your favorite acts. Uh, how did you get into Black Flag? Acts makes it,
1: it does make it seem like I'm, like, 70 or something, like I was, like, present for it. Like, no, I was, (laughs) I think I was 14, uh, you know, near D.C., just get, like, getting into punk and, like, getting into (laughs) not doing my chores, you know, like, that kind of, (laughs) like, that vibe. And, and you know, it's, like, you know, report cards were coming, this is, like, year 10 of this at that point of, like, report cards were coming home and then I was grounded and, like, that was just, like, a cycle of of uh of behavior that i was not you know uh liberating myself from and it, that that was sort of like the um the soil that i think it was it was either rise above or tv party but i think it was tv party was like the single i heard first and i was like well this is it this is the rest of my life like this is <laughs> it's so they sounded like i mean first of all you know it's like this like incredible like dukowski like bass line that like do 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 it's a like If you, and I was bad. I was bad at playing guitar. I was playing guitar. I was playing bass at that time. I had my friend's bass that was his dad's, but it just became mine, and I just like stole it essentially. But I had a very similar situation. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have a a group of friends, and there's just sort of these like communal instruments, and I just like, I got someone's dad's like Rickenbacker bass. And I uh, I taught myself the TV party baseline, which is not I was dumb. It's not a hard baseline to like intuit. <laughs> it's not like waiting room, like fucking knocked me on my ass. Yeah. But like TV party, you can handle. So I learned that. And then like from that, it was a, instantly it's that like thing people say is like, oh, you know, like we had Elvis on the radio or like we saw the Ramones live and that taught us like you don't have to be good. It's like that's very liberating. You know, it's very like uh, Pat now and you're. 30s or I think I I say I'm 24 you know what I mean like that like yeah <laughs> in our at our age it's very pat but when you're 14 it is very liberating to like hear something like that and be like oh I basically can do that I don't know how to do anything but I basically can do this and then like, the rest, you know, it's like it's a fun song, and it's a funny song, and they sound like a group of, like, Vikings, like, singing together.
0: <laughs> about uh, catching up with SNL.
1: Yeah, and I know, like, all of it. That was, like, the only show that, like, I had any reference point. They're singing about, like, Dallas and Maverick, and I was like, I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck any of that is. And then I think Rise Above was the second one I heard. And it was, like, everything that was, like, fun about TV Party was present there, but it was, like, angry instead of funny, and that was, like, very appealing.
0: Yeah, I think TV Party was probably my first introduction to them because it's on the Repo Man soundtrack, and I have Mm. established in many formats that I am a huge Repo Man fan. And I had been, like, aware that Black Flag were one of these uh, bands that you kind of, like, quote, needed to know about, but I think I had always assumed that they were, like, a metal band or something. And so, yeah, getting that, that TV Party vibe, which channels another song that they love playing which is louie louie uh yeah it does which is, which is interesting because as such like alienated nerds it's funny that they pursue that like frat rock uh style so much yeah. or as as a joke uh yeah and then you and then you pick up uh rise above and you're like oh this is what this this is why these guys are a legendary punk band because it's like a thesis statement of a type of american uh punk music that that kind of sense that everyone is out to get you, but it doesn't matter because you're stronger than them anyway. Um, Which is (laughs) kind of fascistic in its uh, own way, which, you know, we'll get into later in the book when uh, Nazis start invading the scene. But it's also very empowering when you're a 15-year-old shithead who, as you said, can't do anything, but wants to do everything. Uh, And then, you know, later listening to stuff like My War, uh, when I first read this book, when I was in my early 20s, like 2021, uh... That stuff was not quite as appealing to me. But now, coming back to it and listening through all this stuff again to prepare for this, I think their slow, long stuff is maybe my favorite of theirs, uh, which I know is not the popular opinion.
2: That's very in your 30s of you, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, whoa, guys, slow down,
0: slow down.
1: (laughs) It is, that is like shit that is designed to be like come around on. And I I think my war is, I was just thinking about the lyric the other day. The opening lyrics of that song is, uh, my war, you're one of them are like some of the least healthy lyrics I've ever heard in my life. It's just like, so- <laughs> and a big part of it's Roland's performance, but like, they- God, you're one of them re- like shouted over and over again. is like, that's like, yes. what it- it's like the opposite of meditation. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Uh, Molly, what are your Black Flag experiences?
2: I mean, I I knew of them when I was a youth. Um, I I definitely did not engage so much in like the hardcore bands and like didn't know enough of their like backstories or anything. So they kind of all like blended into one another. And then, it, honestly, it wasn't until I actually read the book that I borrowed from Chris. I think probably like a few months after we started dating, when I pillaged your bookshelf. And I was like, oh, this is, these are like real people with a story. I'm, you know, I, I love the narrative. I love the narrative with a capital N. And that usually then gives me like more context to like, like something. So then I w- went back after I read it and revisit, like, you know, listen to their stuff and was like, this is great. This is a lot. I, th- I think the way you described Black Flag at the beginning, Chris, of just like being the most like upset or the most angry. They're just one of the most bands <laughs> like <laughs> they are. And I think that's a great style of band to be, is just like they're definitely the most. They're the most something.
0: They they couldn't do anything at less than a ten.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, didn't Greg's guitar at one point the way he set it up? It, if you plugged it in, it went loud. All like he programmed it so it went at the its highest volume.
0: Yeah, I believe that anecdote is is that he kept sweating and bleeding into it, and it would short out. So he just soldered it at the highest, soldered it all in place at the highest. And then highest sealed volume. it, like yes.
2: sealed it with some kind of enamel. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Which is a good metaphor for the band in mm-hmm. general. Yes. Uh, just from this early part of this conversation. I guess one major takeaway I could have is that if you want to have like a hard, heavy, intense band, you should at least release at least one joke song to get fifteen old year olds into you, and then yeah. have that be the entryway into all their their song. That's like here's a here's a jokey one about watching TV. Actually, all our songs are about intense feelings of self loathing and paranoia.
1: I would listen to that shit. It was fly paper. It caught me Cause I would yeah. listen to that shit and be like, "Fuck my dad, who is like <laughs> a sweet, like loving, supportive guy. Like he did nothing wrong to me ever." But it's like you put it on, though, and it's just like it's it's fight or flight.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into the story of Black Flag, because as Molly was alluding to, these guys have basically like anything that you imagine being in a band, like the classic idea of a band, especially like a scrappy touring band, is like part of the Black Flag narrative other than intense substance abuse, uh, which I guess is for the best. But uh, they have got a lot of shit that happens to them. So let's start talking about them.
2: All right, let's get into it. I mean, this is basically the idea of the hardcore scene... Um, as Azurad writes, it comes from the... Uh, as I know we've made this joke on the podcast before that real punk music lasted like three months and then everything <laughs> that came after that was just like different f- filtrations of it. Yeah, but, punk like, happened
0: the, for about three months in the summer of seventy six. And yeah. then everything else was like post-punk or a response to that or like, yeah, not, not real.
2: Right. So like there was the LA punk scene and then that kind of died out. Um, and then some of the hipsters had moved on to like post-punk and like uh, British stuff. But in Southern California, which is kind of a counterintuitive place to invent such a alienated uh, music, the, there were people who, uh, as, as Red said, uh, uh, there were a bunch of toughs coming in from outlying suburbs who were only just beginning to discover punk's speed, power, and aggression. And they boiled the music down to its essence, revved up the tempos to the speed of a pencil impatiently tapping on a school desk, and called the result hardcore. <laughs> And so these were, I know, right? These people are also like, they have short haircuts, they're making you know band art and album art that's like very like rough hewn and like collagey and scribbled and scrawled and then they're wearing these clothes that are like not necessarily like punk clothes but just sort of like disheveled square clothes and that's that's the scene and uh, slam dancing of course so that's the scene that kind of births out of the la punk scene in these very idyllic uh southern california suburbs where everyone's going surfing and listening to genesis they mentioned (laughs) genesis several times as kind of of like the soup that they were in that they were desperate to like get out of
0: we don't know what we are but what we are not is genesis
2: no fucking way
1: that's such a funny like mostly forgotten by i mean genesis is like obviously they're important in certain ways but like nobody's talking about genesis in 2020 to have that be the thing that they're still like i feel like they're still mad at genesis like how like the vitriol (laughs) they speak of genesis with
2: <laughs> right. They were getting interviewed in what, 20, 2010, 20, yeah, yeah, 2009, yeah. and they're still like, man, fuck those guys.
1: Yeah, when Gin <laughs> was can't doing like press for their... like, what the or whatever, <laughs> like that mostly dead band sucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just to say that, uh, that it's weird that these guys are Southern California energy. I mean, I, I'm sure many people who grew up in Southern California will be like, Very much like no, you don't understand, man. It may be pretty outside, but it's actually that only makes you hate hate yourself more. But I don't know. To me, something like Black Flag has intense like Boston energy. Yeah, or like it makes sense that DC is one of the other nodes of this uh, music because that is like a nothing city that's also like the seat of our uh, brutal empire. So it Mm. makes more sense than. Huntington Beach as as the the ground zero for a new type of hardcore punk
2: right 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 Uh, on the boardwalk just wreaking (laughs) wreaking havoc
1: well Rollins Uh, being a D.C. guy makes a lot of sense
2: yes yeah
1: for sure that scans he was right to be from D.C. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You <laughs> made
0: a good call there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, n- nothing about any of this uh, says sand and surf to me, which you, I have to keep in mind constantly is like whenever they were gigging to and from shows, they were like, ah, that sweet smell of salty air.
2: <laughs> so uh, Black Flag starts and ends with uh, Greg Ginn. He uh, spent his adolescence in Hermosa Beach, California. He did things like assemble ham radios uh, while all of his peers were surfing. Uh, when he was 12, he founded Solid State Tuners, which was a mail order business selling modified World War II <laughs> surplus radio equipment, <laughs> <laughs> which honestly, Chris, that seems like something that you would do if you were born in that era.
0: Yes, it does. And
2: that's why I identify
0: with these guys. And it also rocks that his co- his high school project to flip radio tuners is the name that he gave to like the entire rest of the business.
2: If, if it's not broke, you know? Yeah, um he picked up a guitar when he was a teenager. He said he was writing like blues-ish songs, but like nothing too crazy. And then this I wanted to point out cuz I think it's amazing. He read about the concept of punk rock in The Village Voice and sent away for uh the television single Little Johnny Jewel. So he literally <laughs> just read about a sound <laughs> and then was like I need to hear the sound. I can't I can't deal like it's so crazy that now you have access you can just be like oh what's that sound like boop you had to mail away for it I can't
1: Being little Johnny Jewel too is such an insane like first punk song to hear
0: yes yeah that's one of the things that like television being one of the progenitors of of punk is also very funny to me because most of their biggest songs sound more like prog than than punk so it's funny to think of like see like see reading a village voice article seeing a picture of the Ramones being like uh, these short fast songs full of aggression and bursts of power and then sending away for a single that's like seven minutes long of a storybook uh, like fable of like a weird little man with all these spindly crystalline guitar parts I'm going to play a little bit of Little Johnny Jewel yeah I would like to
2: to Jewel. oh he's
0: so cool he had no He's just trying to tell I'm just going to skip it a little bit. <laughs> yes, hard, raw, aggressive.
2: This is dad-hating music right here.
1: Yeah. You know what I can hear? I know this isn't the chapter, but I can hear a lot of uh, what Dee Boone would have picked up from this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, these are. I mean, the, the the drummer's like a jazz guy. They're all. This is all
1: jazz guys. This is. Yeah. You yeah.
0: told me gun to my
1: head, like say this isn't jazz. I would be like fuck you and like bullet to the
0: skull. You know. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, but again, it's 1975, and this is the uh, the rawest, angriest music that exists for some people. <laughs> Anyway, this song's great. I mean, it goes on a journey.
2: I mean, I, I do understand the, like, I can do that, that you could get from this. Yeah. Like, this solo. Come on. Yeah, Yeah, yeah it's just a lot of bands. Yeah. I could do that. I think. Um, so, he was inspired by this, this punk music. He started a band called Panic with acquaintance uh, Keith Morris. Another uh, sort of theme in Our Bank Could Be Your Life, but Black Flag specifically, is like it's never like people who are like good buddies. It's always like two people introduced to each other at like a show or a yeah. party being like, you guys are both psychos. You probably will <laughs> like each other. It's like a very loose amalgamation of connections. Like it's not like a blood brothers thing. It's very much just like a bunch of a bunch of freaks thrown into a room.
0: And they very specifically say later on, nobody in Black Flag, even though we spent 100% of our time together in like very like literally inside the same room, uh, none of us were ever friends. (laughs) Nobody actually liked (laughs) each other.
2: Right. Which is important. (laughs) I feel like that that keeps the tension up maybe that it's not just like buddies. You can hear it.
1: You, that mm-hmm. is, those are not warm sounds that they're producing. That's not the sounds of friendships or like a, a playful like punch on the shoulder. That's like a, that is a hit to the shoulder to knock the guy over. Yeah.
2: Yep. Spilling his beer everywhere. Yeah. They are, they are, they are
0: professionals and it is a workman like relationship.
2: <laughs> um, it, Panic, the band, they uh, played, quote, played parties to universal disdain, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know your band is, is there's something there. Uh, There's some lineup changes, and uh, they changed their name to Black Flag because someone else, shockingly, another band already has the name Panic, um, and their first show as Black Flag was at a moose lodge in Redondo Beach, and during the first set, Morris began swinging an American flag around, much to the displeasure of the assembled moose.
0: That's the detail that kills me that it wasn't just like they had rented out a moose lodge for an all ages show. It was that the the actual mooses from the moose lodge were still there.
2: (laughs) I mean, if we learn anything from from Lodge 49, it's like I feel like people who are in those sort of fellowships. They're like, yeah, I'm not busy. Yeah. (laughs) Can you fucking imagine
1: you go to fight in the Pacific Theater? You come home. Decades pass. You're just trying to hang out with some friends of your same age and temperament. It, and like a twenty-year-old Keith Morris is like,
2: "Fuck the government." <laughs> He's like, "This is not. This is not the country that I fought for."
0: Oh yeah, sure. the lodge booked a band for the for for Thursday night. Some kids are going to come out and play some some guitar thing. And Greg Jin just starts playing the the um awfulest guitar sound you have ever heard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, the they finally they they uh put some songs on record. Uh, it was their music was engineered by a man at a local studio who went by Spot, who ended up becoming like the in-house engineered producer for SST. Shout Spot, out Spot. Spot said of them, uh, they were just goons and geeks. Definitely not the beautiful people.
0: <laughs> uh, Spot throughout all of this, and I, I'm pretty sure he keeps popping up throughout the book, uh, mm-hmm. very
2: comes, comes
0: across very much as like the most put up, one of the most put upon men. Yeah. <laughs> in in show business a guy who's just trying to record all these these demons uh, doing their their stuff
1: there's a I don't think it's in the book but there's definitely a quote of his about damaged where somebody was like why does it sound like that and he's like buddy good question (laughs) like they wanted it to sound like that
2: yeah that's a that's a real unsung hero of the the guy twiddling the knobs for for these freaks Uh, Um, So we listen to a little
0: this is the nervous breakdown it is yes Here's a little nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's obviously very like uh, UK punkish at this point
1: yeah it, I would I, I want to preface what I'm about to say with this is perfect I think this song is perfect and sounds perfect and I, I'm not giving it a note but this is a bit of the like Bob Pollard like clearly learned to sing from listening to invasion rock like really doing like a Johnny Rotten Yeah, yeah
2: for sure this also yeah. fits in the California accent pantheon of like I can kind of fully see how the British punk accent turned into the like Tom yeah. DeLonge like yeah This is this is the origin story
1: This is the this is the handing the baton of the like yeah Or yeah. with the meme of the strong guys like shaking hands yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's John John Leiden and Tom D De- Tom shaking hands going
2: Yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean it's good. I would say at this point nothing to, to write home about. Uh, but Really you see, you I'm see writing what home coming <laughs> I think that's
1: oh, I'm writing I'm writing my whole family, I'm letting them know I just heard a great art for song. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so this music, uh, no one was willing to Signed these people um, to a record label, so this is, you know, starting the great tradition of uh, underground music, creating independent labels. Dr- Greg Ginn started SST Records to d- distribute the EP. Uh, album art was made, made by uh, Raymond Pettibon, who was Greg's brother. Another another uh, um, two, two uh, muscular hands, holding hands of like uh, yeah. punk art and punk music.
0: Yeah, and uh, Pettibon goes on to design all of the Black Flag, almost all of the Black Flag uh, record covers, and then become an artist in his own right. Molly and I just saw... Actually, Branson, I bet you went to this too. Did you see the um, New Museum's Petty Bun did, exhibit a few years did ago? I,
1: I went for my birthday that year. That was like the a treat. I've, that guy... I would... I don't want to derail the entire podcast talking about him, but he's so uh, he's incredible and good. And if all you know him from is the Black Flag stuff that he's done... Fine, because it's really good, but you are doing yourself a <laughs> disservice because, like, there's this whole world of uh, of his, like, a truly, like, demented take on, like, the 20th century and, like, that, like – it's funny. Through him, I can sort of understand Black Flag a little better because he grew up in the same house mm. as Greg Ginn of, like, what that, like, mid-century, like, California normie culture, like, does – to you if you're a creative person or like, mm. or if you're just not feeling like spoken to by that. Cause through a lot of his work, you can sort of see it's like, yeah, this guy watched hours of Gumby as a kid. And like, what did that do to his brain?
0: <laughs> I I totally get what you're saying about the Pettibone exhibit, uh, like making Black Flag make more sense. uh, Even if Pettibone's work is, is much vaster in its own way than, than him. Because yeah, it's, it's like the, the Black Flag album art is just this tiny window to open up it, into a huge space of pettybone art, and it, and it kind of retroactively defines all all that stuff. He's cool. And Go look at some images of Pettibone art.
2: Azarad well, also points out that like it, it's not just like dumb guys making loud, angry music. Like there's there is like a little intellectual something something to it. Like there's yeah. there's more going on upstairs.
1: He's a real and the influence he had on like all the pettybone too had like on all of hardcore and like the visual iconography of like if you look at like a gorilla biscuits, like that gorilla in the sweatshirt, it's like, that's absolutely, we don't get that drawing. And this might not sound important to you, but for me, keep in mind for me at 17, that drawing of that gorilla is a big deal. We, you don't get that <laughs> without like, you know, with like the cop, like sucking the gun, like a dick like that, like all of the, which comes from Pettibon, like that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's a conversation that I, you know, I think it's still going on.
0: I mean, this is the highest praise possible. I, he is like the highest, most platonic ideal level raised to the highest form of artistry of like a seventh grader etching something into his desk with a ballpoint pen yeah like that elevated to its highest form of artistry
1: mm. i mean if you look at my desk in seventh grade with like the you know with the like stuff that i carved or my not my de- my backpack the stuff that i like sharpened onto it it's like a lot of that did come from But Pet- it's like i didn't realize at the time but like those four bars are from him
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And also shout out for designing one of the simplest yet most iconic band logos of all time Four mm-hmm. pr- four bars tells you exactly what it is. You can you can recreate it in a second, but it's still like wholly original. Love the black flag bars.
2: God, I wonder how many people have that tattoo on planet Earth right now. Millions. Millions. Maybe. <laughs> Please show yourselves. They, they need to have a convention. I guess that would, <laughs> that would be really scary. How many do we think are but dead?
0: I bet it's more.
2: Probably, maybe more dead than alive at this point. Who knows? Might be
0: getting. I would say maybe getting to even.
2: Even.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't even know if it's like an age thing. So much as like a lifestyle thing. I think like. That's yeah. I, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, spe- speaking of uh, the the type to listen to Black Flag, the audience, uh, as Red writes, were disaffected jocks and surfers, strapping young lads who rarely touched anything stronger than beer. Um, <laughs> fights would break out at the uh, at their shows. It led to a ton of police harassment. Police basically uh, drove the band out of town, more or less, because they were doing. Uh, you know, the the band would show up at a, another you know VW hall or whatnot. <laughs> and then uh, violence would happen, and then the cops would come, and then that begat more violence. Um, But Henry Rollins, not a part of the band yet, but later said... He said, all of a sudden you're dealing with thick-necked guys who were drunk and could go toe-to-toe with some cops and you can't shoot them because they're not black or Hispanic, so you have to deal with them on a semi-human level. He wasn't saying that in a racist way. He was saying that to point out the racism of uh, what the cops were doing. So, uh, really intense scene that they basically immediately created the second they hit the state. I don't want to say created. uh, Conduited? (laughs) There were a bunch of these
0: these people out there waiting for the... the Loose to open to channel themselves into. Yeah, they
1: exacerbated
0: it.
2: Yeah, they're all just they were all you know shuffling around with their uh, hands in their pockets on the boardwalk, just waiting for the right opportunity (laughs) to to start raging.
0: It's in this chapter that they talk about how they would design their early live sets by just plugging everything in perfectly silently and then turning everything on all at once and trying to play as fast and loud as possible because you knew you had about thirteen minutes before the cops showed up.
2: It's amazing. I love that. Uh they so yeah, they they basically as soon as they created the Southern California scene, they uh drove themselves out of it by all the violence that was happening at these shows. So they started touring um and basically almost single-handedly creating like an an independent music touring infrastructure where they are, you know, they're in a van, they're driving to different towns, they're making phone calls to people, like, to places that would host them. Um, People, obviously, in every single city, not just in Southern California, are interested in this kind of thing, Um, and it's basically, like, an information-sharing network that happened as a result of, like, Black Flag hitting the road because they literally were not allowed to play in their hometown.
0: (laughs) I I love that about them, that they, the touring didn't... Mostly came about have, from having to stay one step ahead of the cops. Mm-hmm. Yep. But also, that's one of the things that we'll get into more and more throughout this book. That really attracts me to it is that mentality, the do-it-yourself mentality. Is that if you can't figure out a venue to do it at home, do it away. Nobody will have you. If nobody who already exists will have you, find somebody who will. Uh, if you can't, you know, fi- pay for a hotel, find the people who put you on their floor. Uh, and that's the part of this, uh, you know, despite. But I mean Black Flags really great. Uh a lot of them <laughs> uh, things about them are inherently comical, but that is the part about all of these bands that I find so admirable is just figuring out how to do this stuff on their own. Oh yep. yeah.
1: I mean if somebody ever like the you know uh, um the Royal Wee like if somebody were to ever compare you to Greg Ginn If they were to compare you to Greg Ginn as like, oh, philosophically you have a lot in common with Greg Ginn and like this feeling of independence and do it yourself and like make the thing you want to see in the world happen, that would be a huge compliment. Any other comparison, it's like, oh, interpersonally (laughs) you really remind me of Greg Ginn would be just like put, like bury me alive and just do
2: the world surface. (laughs) Yes,
0: precisely. Yeah, Which is the comedy of this book.
2: Yep. Um, The funky thing about Black Flag is that they had not really landed on their ideal lead singer. So they had had Keith Morris. They subbed him out um, for uh, Ron Ron Reyes, uh, who I believe was going by Chavo Pederast.
0: Yeah, (laughs) great name.
2: Which, you know, totally... Um, And then they put uh, Des Kadena in for him, but they're just like not really hitting the right chemistry. And it isn't until they play a show in D.C. that they meet uh, Henry Garfield as as he was born, um, who was from, you, you know, he had an interesting background. He was from like a nicer D.C. suburb. Um, he grew up with Ian McKay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, was pretty middle class, but he had an abusive home life, um, and he ended up going to military school. Like, so he had a, a I would say, by any uh, definition of the word, a tough childhood. Um, and he himself, he said, I accumulated a lot of rage by the time I was seventeen or eighteen. I was a man uh, all full, a young man all full of steam, and getting in a lot of fights at shows, willingly, gratefully. It was like <laughs> Rams on the side of the mountain.
1: So, I love the way ha- he speaks. I, I think there's it's amazing. truly unique. No one else does it.
2: He he has such a, a clear I mean, we should honestly just do an episode alone on on uh get in the van because his tour diaries are also it, so cool. for for the lifestyle he was living and then his perception and communication of that lifestyle, it's like so crazy how different it is. Uh he was living, I would say almost ferally. Yes, <laughs> yeah. For
0: for years.
2: For years and years. But it
0: also has like this intense like positivity energy about it. Although mm-hmm. I don't know if he would call it positive, he's like everything like depraved about him and his life and around him. He's like, it's good. This is good for me. This is how I become stronger. This is how I become more who I'm supposed to be.
2: Mm-hmm. It's same like- with the military school thing. He's he is like that. Give me discipline.
0: Yes, I I think it's very notable that he enjoyed military school and thought that maybe it was maybe the for
2: only him. guy who did, which yeah. says something um so he he's he's like you know he's he's fighting at shows he's going nuts um he's his friends start being in bands he's not in a band his attitude when he was younger was very much he he called himself pure pressure boy he was like being the roadie for his friends bands and like you know lifting their equipment and uh being very like solicitous in that way and then when he heard uh uh the nervous breakdown ep and then heard that black flag was going to come play the 930 club uh, in dc he offered to have the band stay over at his house which i think is like so sweet in a in a way like that's so i mean talk charming. about diy yeah. i i just love that he's like yeah have a sleepover
1: this chapter has so many these like almost like homey little just like diversions i guess we'll get to some of them later but like especially about like Gregan's like mom like there's all these yes. weird where he like doesn't mm-hmm. want to get in trouble and it's like how old is he in these chapters that the, uh, yeah
2: yeah that's true it is funny cuz the music is so like unbelievably anti-establishment but then like yeah there is this like deference and kind of reliance on like structures like home structures like you, you know your mom bringing you sandwiches
0: it's also just very funny to imagine what inviting touring early stages touring black flag into your house into your like nice suburban your dad's <laughs> nice suburban house what, what they would have looked like or even like behave like it would probably be like ushering uh, like a pack of abandoned dogs into the basement in the cover of night. <laughs> just to, to give them like a, you know, a, a, a bone of meat to eat on before p- kicking them out the next morning. God.
2: Um, so they they come and they they play the show and Henry himself it kind of offers himself to take the mic for the song clocked in. And it had an effect where everyone was just like, damn, this guy is really channeling something very specific. And it's it's kind of cool. Um, and then, you know, they show was ended, they hit the, got in the van and left. And a few days later, like he basically got the call to like audition and then join the band. Like this all life really came at Henry fast because he was (laughs) definitely, I can't remember what job he was doing. He was managing
0: a Haagen-Dazs.
2: There we go. So like he, he was on a path to do like, you know, to, he was, he was on one level and then he just like blew it all up, which I think is a great lesson of like, if you get the call. Yeah, you take the it. call.
1: You know, the other thing about Rollins and like, you know, like uh, taking to military school and like really being some, like there's a there's a lot to, to that. But one thing that I think like this speaks high. I'm very defensive of Roll. I know he gets like a bad rap sometimes and like some of his behavior has been uh, somewhat south of admirable. But like mm-hmm. the I do think it speaks volumes that he to this day is on good terms with his boss from Hagen Dawes. I think <laughs> I did not know that. How yeah, does he
0: still know who that guy is? Why would he stay in touch with that? He i mean, just
1: kept in touch, and they're a good. He describes him as a good and fair man. Like that's,
2: you know, <laughs> that's that says that's something. Great. Yeah, that that man lives by a code. Honestly, we and yeah. we should all we should all learn learn a lesson from that.
0: Yeah, it is funny. I mean, going back to that the sweetness of this that that for a band that you know. If you were making a cursory description of them, uh, you might say like, oh, hardcore punk, anarchic or whatever. That This is a band that lives and dies by structures and that they all need structure, like kind of desperately. And in a way, maybe that's what like some of the anger is and, and punkness about it is about is like not finding the structures that they need or would, you know, make them happy or healthy outside of being in, like, the the, the angriest band in the world.
2: Right. This, the touring structure, too, of just, like, that—that that is a strict thing that you have to adhere to. You have to get in the van every day and yeah. drive to the next place and play the next place. One of the, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but when they ended up, like, completely broke because they literally, they tour so often, they're in, like, a double bind because they tour so often that they can't get, jobs when they come back because they're barely back but then when they're on the road they're obviously like not making any money either. So like that weird limbo of just being like n- needing to do something but like not just not quite being a uh uh not thriving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll say that.
0: And then just also I'm sure you're about to get into this Molly like the to talk to about the structures that that uh Greg Jin kept is like 8 hours of rehearsal a day, 6 days a week. Uh when they toured they do like Two hundred and fifty shows a year, or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, at
2: one point they did like fifty-six shows in like sixty, like two days, just like something absolutely Jesus. absurd, absolutely
0: brutal scheduling. I mean, it's it it is military, like ri- rigidly militaristic in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. Honestly, I well, think
1: it's more the military. I think gives you more breaks than that. Like that's a <laughs> yeah,
2: and more food probably too, more chow. Yes.
1: This is um, more so, that schedule is more like coming back from the military and then like America doesn't take care of you. It's like that's like yeah, what yeah. they were subjecting themselves to.
2: They really did belong in those, uh in that moose lodge then. <laughs> they, they, were, they were uh kindred spirits. They just didn't realize it. Yeah, there it needs, needs to be a, to a,
0: a, There needs to be a VBF Hall, a Veterans of Black Flag Hall.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, a national like crust punk uh association of of re- recreation halls, it would be pretty sick. Yes. <laughs> <There's> something <laughs> Among there. other things. It won't make any money, but it'll be pretty fun. Um, but anyway, so Henry Rollins is, is absolutely like the, the secret ingredient to have, you know, black flag work, not just as a band, but as like a band with a, a, a front man, um, even though he is kind of like gaining his own confidence as he is, mm-hmm. as he goes, uh, because he was basically plucked from, uh, you know, haagen obscurity. So should we listen to a little "Damaged" because that's the I think the first album that he appears on.
0: Yes, I mean we should do "Rise Above" because this is like the one. But then Mm -hmm. we can play a little TV party afterwards because obviously we all love that song. Yeah, Uh, "Rise Above" first track of "Damaged." Here we go. Oh what a song. What a song. It's just such a, it's just such a journey from like a, the starting with the, uh, the the simple drum pattern and like the weird fucked up rhythms of some of that guitar intro and then Rollins comes crashing in and the gang vocals and the chorus like every part just keeps adding more and more shit that just makes it more and more fun and powerful. They operate
1: rhythmically like you're driving a car in manual that you don't
0: totally know
1: how to drive and it's, <laughs> and it's like churning onto the next like segment.
0: Yes. That's very true. Uh, Molly, I, I, sometime in the past week you just looked up to me and said, why don't more bands write the songs like Rise Above?
2: It's just good. <laughs> it's short. It's intense. It's got a theme. There's also something
0: like about the guitar sound that Feels very contained, barely contained. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell it's actually kind of complicated, but it also kind of feels like he he barely knows how to play it. Like he's or they're playing it even faster than they're supposed to. But I in, just
1: taught it to myself on guitar. I taught. It. I looked up the tab, and learned it on guitar, and it is. That's exactly what's. The second you like get it and you get it slow, and then the second you speed it up faster than you're comfortable playing. You sound exactly like Greg Ginn playing on the, like Uh. that's the appeal of it. And like, what's crazy to me is, you know, late. I I know we'll get to it later, but like later when they slow down that he maintains that slower, he still feels like he's playing too fast for his skill level, which he can't be because they're going slower. And at this point he's put in his 10,000 hours, like seven or eight times over just with like rehearsals there's no way that's actually what's happening. So I, I'm very impressed that he's able to, like, maintain that at a slower pace. But, yeah. It's, yeah,
0: it's, it, there's, like, a, a deliberate wildness to it that is uh, impressive and and gives it that sound.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: his soloing
1: style, too. I don't know shit about music theory, but, like, it seems to me like it's somebody... Uh, you get a lot of this with, like... This starts to die out in the 80s, but you get this a lot with, like, the, si- seven, uh, the 70s and the beginning of the 80s of, like... Guys who clearly didn't grow up with punk because it wasn't available at the th- it wasn't out yet. Like, so grew up with classic rock, and there's sort of this like classic rock sense to a lot of his solos. And instead of like writing it differently, he's just jamming every note in there as quickly as possible. Yes. It's yes, it's, I don't know what that's called, yeah. but I love it.
0: It's like trying to put a like a 16 bar blues solo into a two bar bridge, bl- <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: It's like like it's like twelve tone music, but yeah, tw- twelve yeah. tones in in as fast as possible. Yeah, it's like all the Keystone uh,
1: Cops trying to move through one door at well, once. Yeah, so.
2: exactly. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll I'll put in another little clip of that Rise Above solo because it's the perfect example where he's just like sliding down. And he's like, okay, so good. This is gonna be like a two minute solo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm good.
0: Uh, here's a little TV party. All right. TV party tonight! TV party tonight! TV party tonight! TV
1: party tonight! TV party tonight! We're going to have a TV party tonight! All right! We're going to have
0: a TV party right! Tonight!
2: This delivery is so TV fucking time. funny. Nothing
0: better to do.
1: Of Everybody's gonna hang out here tonight. All right. Will pass out on the couch. All right.
2: Tonight we got nothing better
0: to do. <laughs> it's just like one of the most one of the most brews. fun bit songs. It's so-
1: you know what I'm realizing as I listen to this now is when I play uh, the D&D podcast? Whenever I play Orcs on that, I am just doing Black Flag.
0: They're all, they're all just members of Black Flag? Yeah. Are they all wearing I... little, like, the black
1: bicycle shorts? Yeah, honestly. I mean, I'm thinking of them like that. You know, fan art, they yeah. can differ. But, you know, <laughs> I'm the canon guy, and yeah, they're all wearing little bicycle shorts. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a
0: <laughs> it's fun. Just they're just having fun. And we need funny. to
2: we need to start singing this every night when we uh uh you know hunker down and put on our, our streaming our services yet again. Yeah. TV party tonight again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, when we move when we move from the work screen to the TV screen.
2: The, the bad that, screen to the good screen.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> that nobody's ever used that as a theme for something. I would like to mm. do that. For, that would be a great theme for like a public action show. A mm-hmm. good screen. A yep. good screen. Uh, no uh, TV party. <laughs> Oh! Oh! Yeah. 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 And it's it's funny because everything else is so serious that they just have this. I mean, they have some other songs that are like have funny parts to them, but it is funny that they just have this one song that is like an out-and-out joke. Yeah,
1: it's like I think some of Family Man is funny, but that's definitely like different than what they were going
2: for. <laughs> yes. Um. Any, anyway this is this is their they, they've got the juice and the juice is flowing um, but they of course immediately run into problems with record label stuff because you can't just be a band and have like a good business relationship with anyone they I, it's it's Slightly too complex to explain, but basically they they had a distribution deal with MCA, which fell through uh, due to maybe someone like bad mouthing them and saying that they were not like a family friendly music yeah. choice. Which was I think they called a them very eighties thing, anti parent, <laughs> anti parent, so. Like- they yeah, the, the like eighties conservative thing of like yeah. of the you know the family above all and just black flag being being uh you know just so destructive to that structure. Like, okay. Um, that reminds but, me
1: of the like the Simpsons thing where it's like, a vote for Bart is a vote for anarchy, and then Bart puts the same poster up with the same words like as, as yes. advertising. It's like Mm -hmm. I can't imagine a better advertisement for this band in the 80s than it's like some fucking suit called us anti parent is like, yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, that's a good blurb.
0: It's also very funny imagining listening to the entirety of damaged, which was the only thing like the main thing that they had put out there and and taken away like doesn't sound like these boys like doing their chores.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're so naughty. Naughty, naughty. When,
0: like, yeah, when you're listening to anything more than Rise Above and TV Party, you're just hearing a guy growling, I'm dirt. I'm less than nothing. <laughs> the pain inside me will cause me to hurt you.
2: <laughs>
1: a, a very um, willful boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he needs to be disciplined. Uh, the So that legal dispute, there was like a bunch of back and forth, but uh, Greg literally went to L.A. County Jail for five days uh, because of that, which is kind of insane to think of i mean there's a lot of insane ways to go to jail these days but uh releasing a record uh puts you in jail yeah and uh he he didn't speak much about the experience but the pretty much the only thing he said was that uh it's not something that i would recommend we've covered a
0: lot of record label disputes in this show but this is the first guy that we talked about who actually went to jail over a record label dispute yep
1: i was gonna say to his credit I don't mean this as, like, this as a point against Greg. I have plenty of negative things to say about Greg Ginn, but, like, deserved to go. just l- By letter of the law, like, stri- like flagrantly blo- broke the law knowing that it would send him right. to jail. Like, he knew what he was doing.
2: Right. Oh, my God. Uh. Yeah, and then, so, like, that was then the crucial, like, I think it was a couple of years where they technically weren't allowed to release music, which obviously is not great for career um they were touring in the meantime they the uh, description of their 1983 european tour was (laughs) absolutely horrific to read um they said in vienna henry Rollins tried to protect a stage diver from some overzealous bouncers and got punched in the jaw by the stage diver for his trouble another just great metaphor of the kind of energy that was uh prevalent at these things insanely at the same show when the police came the crowd beat them up took their uniforms and allegedly killed their police dog jesus christ like what the the european
0: the european (laughs) punk audiences of this era seem absolutely monstrous
2: chaotic incredibly chaotic
0: which is funny because you imagine like you know the 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 Americans are usually seen as like the the brutes or like you know the uncultured or unmannered or like rednecks or whatever. But then you hear any show, any like European punk show at the time was was like yeah, about twenty guys in the audience tried to stab me with shards of glass. That was a good show. Yeah.
2: Here, here's a hypothesis: uh, were were European audiences maybe more violent because they knew that they had healthcare that could take care of them if they got injured at a show? <laughs> I can crucify a
1: child because I can go to the hospital. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the flip side of this was that they were talking about an Italian tour date where there were Italian punks all like glowering around the club entrance and they were trying to enter and they were like worried that they were going to get their ass kicked. And finally they got out of the car and the Italian punks uh, wanted to hug them, kiss them and give them presents.
1: <laughs> Such a passionate people.
2: Oh in love, the Black Flag! Oh Mr. Rollins, Come on, we have a favorite you. band. They wanted to put we, uh, a long <laughs>
0: string of spaghetti between their mouths and and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk talk about some something that I would like w- really wish there was like video of, or would just like to be on the a fly on the wall of is like an Italian Black Flag show in like 1982 or three. My
2: God, seriously.
0: Uh, very indescribable vibes.
2: Italians, I will say, are a theme in in all of these books we read. As like people just go, they're like, "Yeah, we played a soccer stadium, uh, and then there was a riot after." <laughs> um, but, but no one seemed that concerned. Like that's that's pretty much par for the course for large Italian crowds. What are you gonna do? What are you um, gonna
1: do about? It was a kissing riot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every everyone's uh, uh, getting into uh, scuffles, trying to kiss each other on both cheeks, and just bumping into <laughs> each other. <laughs> Um, so they they're touring a bunch. They're not making that much money when they're off tours. They basically are starving, uh, save for the grace of uh, uh, Greg's mom, who like, brings them like avocados and like cheese sandwiches and uh, like apple juice or whatever. But I really like this quote from Greg. He said, I never considered it rough. I considered it not having money. But I always think if you're asleep on a floor, how can you tell the difference anyway? You're asleep. <laughs> to which I say, you you can tell the difference when you wake up in the morning and your back hurts real bad. Yeah, that's spoken like
1: a
0: twenty two year old. Yeah. Well, it's also funny. Greg's actually older. Like he's in his early thirties at all, uh, during this time. I believe. Right? I don't
2: think I realized that. Was he?
0: Well, so like Henry Rollins is born in sixty one, so he's like twenty at the beginning of this. But I believe uh, Gin was born in like early I mean, fifties, like,
2: fifty four.
0: Okay. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, he would have been, I guess, thirty. Yeah, thirty by time like my war comes out.
2: Yeah, Jesus, what's his uh, what's his regimen? I what, what vitamins is uh, he taking?
0: Eating a cheese sandwich and half an avocado a day, sleeping on the floor, and practicing Black Flag songs ten hours a day.
2: That's that's some kind of way to be physically. <laughs> um, Henry Rollins says, uh, "At the end of the day, we had no money. We were scruffy. We stunk." The van stunk. Everyone was against us, but you'd hear that music and know, oh yeah, we fucking rule. So there you go. Um, they, of course, are having lots of interpersonal troubles. Uh, the ye old band lineup switch-up happens. Uh, Chuck Dukowski's out. Uh, they get Kira Rossler in. Um, who's a g- 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 girl, <laughs> and uh, and this is when they start uh, kind of going slower and heavier and more metallic, which they are really into. But it is, you know, it basically starts to alienate the fans that they had for their fat, fast and peppy and angry music. Um, they also started growing. They're they're just so contrary. Like they start, they grew their hair long. Which was very confusing to people. I feel like you can't discount how much male hair length was part of culture from like 1950 to 1990.
0: Where people were just very concerned all the time about how long their hair was in regards to their peers.
2: Yeah. Well, because like was just when the Rollins way
1: comes up originally, everyone's like, his head is shaved, and everyone's like, what's your fucking
2: problem? And then he grows his hair out, and it's like, what is he supposed to do? Jesus. Like. <laughs> Have a nice, uh, a classy French bob and just really, really freak you, people out. People,
1: can you imagine an thing. actual, like a black flag audience that they came out with a French bob that just like, <laughs> every single person in the venue would be dead. There would, no
0: survivors.
2: Yeah, yeah. they would pa- pass out.
0: Well, that was another like little uh, like moment of sweetness or interesting thing about the Greg Henry dynamic is the way they talk about the hair thing is like, uh, Greg, seemed to be the leader. He was like, everybody had their hair short, short. so I started growing my hair out. And then they say, like, Henry was like, well, Greg's growing his hair out, so I guess that's what we're doing now.
1: This is where I really, like, lock into Henry and feel a connection with with him, is that, like, he's an only child. I don't have any older siblings, but that feeling of just, like, meeting a guy who's cooler than you, is, like, six years older mm-hmm. than you, and is cool, and you just want to be like him, and you want to be around him, and what he says yeah. goes, and, like, you start, like, you know, per, you know, opinions that he has start just sort of finding their way into your own, like, body of opinions, and, like, that's very relatable. I really know, especially mm-hmm. being in your early 20s and, like, angry and confused. It's like, of course that's going to happen. It's very charming. And, like, then, of course, you know, act two is going to happen where you start to resent this guy for not living up to, like, something he never really agreed to live up to. Which is being your dad. Yeah, honestly.
0: <laughs> well, then, and then yeah, and we're getting to that part because as we talk about like these growing tensions and that thing about uh, Greg and what he said about going to prison is, is it reminded me of this: is that Greg does not like to talk about anything. <laughs> God, yeah, no. if, especially things that are bothering him. He thinks could be improved. Situations that he would like to change. Those are things that he does not uh, enjoy talking about, which uh, creates difficulty when you are a twenty-three-year-old like Henry who is trying to live up to the standards of this person who is both uh your friend, your coworker and your dad.
2: Yeah. The 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 uh, the other like weird dynamic is that like it's that I, I I don't know how much it's repeated in like musical history It's like it's Greg's band yet. Henry becomes like su- like the guy like he's the one who's doing all the interviews because Greg doesn't like to do fucking press. And so like Henry's the mouthpiece and he's like the visual and like the the look. But like he, it's at the end of the day, like I, I do wonder if there was something there where he knew that he was not ultimately in control of the band like the band yeah. lived and died by Greg. And I, I, he,
1: I lose a lot of sympathy for him there, too, because it's like, buddy, you
2: put one
1: of, like, music's most charismatic people in front of thousands of microphones and, like, journalists, like, constantly for years and years. What did you fucking think was going to happen, you moron? <laughs> right. Of course he was going to take over the band. Like, that's
2: it's not
0: his fault, really.
2: Yeah. Cle- clearly, the his presence and way of being, like, that's not... You can't stop that.
0: I do also think it's interesting to note along those lines just to fill out that thing is that even at their height and when Henry was really coming to his own, Greg was still writing like most of the lyrics.
2: Mhm. Okay. I don't think I I picked up on that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Cuz yeah, then then Henry goes off. I, I guess we'll we're basically there that he, you know, he's going more in, into the spotlight. He's kind of changing the way that he's interacting with people. Uh, uh, Azarad described it as uh, becoming an insular, malevolent character straight out of a Dostoevsky novel. Jesus. Which honestly, I'm like, I, I hear that, I'm like, damn, I kind of want to embody that every once in a while because that's so not my style. But just imagine like rolling out of bed and just being like, Ugh. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not gonna have a pleasant interaction with <gasps> anyone today. I choose violence. I'm gonna wake up and choose violence. That is, it's yeah, effective. it's
1: like six years of just choosing violence every day in a row. It's like that's what happens.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> uh, he he is one of the greatest examples in this era of like wearing a mask or the mask wearing you. Mm. Uh, it's also just talking about we talked about at the beginning of Henry Rollins as a type of guy. And at this point, I think that he's like a brand new type of guy. And trying to figure out what exactly mm-hmm. that is is very interesting to me because it's like at different points, you get different ideas about him. Like, what is he like a doomer jock? Early on, I
1: think in the <laughs> 80s, for sure, that's definitely like the the energy he's putting out there.
2: But he's a, he's like a poet warrior when and that seems like a fake kind of guy like that seems like something that's like made up but like he he's like he is that it's yeah. weird it's just it's very like with a lot of
1: black flag it's just like it seems fake and then it's like well
2: at a certain point like
1: it if it was fake you would have stopped like there's just it's right. exhausting like that after you know I'd say after three years of just being a constant poet warrior like
0: you've whether it was real or not is immaterial because it's real now.
2: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, and it also it's like even if you if you think of him as like the soul of a poet, which he clearly develops later on, he is like this, this gentler side of him emerges at this time. Like a hundred percent of his poetry is about him considering himself like worthless and yeah. uh, you know needing to be to eradicate himself and those like him from society for the benefit of his own own spirit. Like that's like the energy that he provides. I mean, he's straight
1: up, that's that's like a family man lyric. Like, he straight up says a lot of this in the songs. And it's like, I do think a big part of maybe, you know, it's not mine to, he's a human being, he's not mine to, like, armchair analyze. But, like, <laughs> I, I, I would imagine the, like, you know, the last 20, 30 years of his life, how much, like, positivity has, like, has come in there and, like, how happy he seems as as a person. It's like, yeah, it's probably because he worked through it. Like, well, Mm -hmm. what was he doing there if not like working through that stuff like i you know you you read some of this chapter and it's like this is unhealthy but you know it's a certain certain type of therapy i think to like put all of that out there and like externalize the internal and then like yeah then you get to spend the last 20 years just like being in david lynch movies and like having fun
0: yeah (laughs)
2: yeah I mean yeah not to get all like uh examining toxic masculinity but like uh, I don't know there's a lot of stuff that we read about that you could look at from a 2021 lens and be like that is bad that is cancelably bad yeah and like at the end of the day this is someone who like I think has measured kind of public change in the way they are even if the way they used to be was clearly a certain flavor of like I think valid frustration with being who he was at that particular time in America. And to discount that is just ignoring a huge problem. I think, you know, several decades later, Eminem grabbed the same uh, segment of the population, which is like suburban white dudes who are super pissed and they don't know why. And I I don't know. I, I think now he's clearly occupying a slightly different slice of society, but you're right that like working through it in public got him where he was, and hopefully people can look at him and be like, okay, there there's a journey, there's a path there, like there's a way out of, you know, just being constantly pissed all the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like what I said, I think before we were recording, is like we were talking about types of dudes, and like, I really think Rollins is a load-bearing type of dude, like other types of dudes have been built on the back of that, and then types of dudes mm-hmm. were built on that and built on that, and I think it's like, It can only, I mean, look at Eminem, like it can only sustain itself for a few years, really. But when you are, when you have like a nation of lonely, alienated, angry people, and you sort of present yourself as the most angry person and the most (laughs) alienated person, it's like, of course, people are going to latch onto you and like build off of that. And then it's like, And then you work through it and it's like, oh shit, I'm still famous. What do I do with that? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's the really awkward time. I think Henry did a good job of pivoting out of it. Uh, but I think too, the, the Eminem connection to like further explore that, like, uh, it's funny cause it seems the anger seems outward facing, but it, it is inward facing anger that then gets caught on by other people mm-hmm. who are also feeling that way. Cause like the, the other thing they pointed out with black flag is like where they weren't quite doing the punk thing of being like, fuck the government or like, you know, fuck Margaret, thatcher or whatever the fuck they were it was vaguer and broader in that and it let you kind of paint on that canvas of like whatever it was you were frustrated about and like that i think is ultimately more potent in a way because i think punk stuff now is like a little dated but i think i mean rise above i don't think is dated at all like it feels like it's still relevant in this like you know in capitalist america
0: we are tired of your abuse i mean they do
1: the fucking pick a guy I'm so sorry to bring it to this. And I knew it was just like countdown till I did this. But like, it's a little bit the kiss method of what kiss does where kiss, like all of their lyrics and all of their like branding is like, People are trying to stop you from listening to kiss. Like maybe 10 people ever have tried to stop someone from listening to kiss. But like, (laughs) it's like you're in the army of kiss and they don't get it. You're one of them is like that's spiritually very, very close to what Black Flag is doing. And it's potent and it works. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Playing playing with just like creating opposition, even when opposition isn't necessarily there because it creates friction. That's so funny. You don't, yes. The 10 people on the planet who've been like, stop listening to Kiss.
0: That's dangerous. Very bad. Very <laughs> that, bad for your health. That, that Catman record, no, we, you cannot have that. <laughs> it's going to turn you evil. <laughs> That's the kind of sugar who
1: likes? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is just so funny. I, I mean, I know, we, we have to do a Kiss episode with you at some point, Branson, but uh, the the idea of holding both in your head that... KISS actually stands for knights in Satan's service and that God. there is a man with his face painted like a kitty cat. On the front
2: of- <laughs> <laughs> That's how they would present themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tracks. that tracks. That seems right. Um, to, to take it back to the sort of uh, uh, downward curve of Black Flag, although... I would. I feel like people still really liked my war. Should we listen to something from it? Because it's it's they've got the fuck fucked the fans mentality at this point where they're making music basically for themselves and maybe not even for themselves. Uh, and you know they're playing these shows that are like two hours long, just absolutely assaulting people's ears with with volume and noise. Uh, Azarad says that audience members would straggle away like from a battlefield. <laughs> God.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've certainly been to shows like that, and you know what? They're usually pretty good. <laughs> wow! <Well. laughs> All right, um, so, yeah, we'll, s- we'll start with a little my war, and then I want to play some of the uh, the slower, side more abrasive side two of this. Cool. <laughs> This intro part does sound like like a jungle cat stalking its prey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My Who's them? <laughs> it's, it's not anyone. you. You should know you're one of
0: them <laughs> <laughs> Just yelling in the background. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's almost like there's little like like, guitar, like it's like almost whimsical in those transitions but also incredibly uh, paranoid and, and angry I mean I, I really don't mean this glibly
1: this like gives me the memory of when I was in high school I was uh, I was on Adderall and I overdosed by, by accident I just took like I was already on like an experimentally high dose and I, uh, I either double or triple dosed by accident one morning and I remember being in English class and I thought I was having a heart attack and I had to lay down face down on the ground and the, my teacher like ushered everyone out and she turned the lights off. It was very kind of her. They called the like, called an ambulance. Like It was, it was horrible. And this yeah. song takes me back to that headspace of like having to oh. lay down <laughs> not in a bad, you know, it's like it's so hard for music to affect you as you get older. It's like you cherish what does and like this does. Like
2: Mm-hmm. Just that
1: horrible feeling of, like, and those little moments of, like, okay, I'm over it.
2: No, I'm fucking not. We're back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's very that, yeah, that's very, uh, very evocative. The, I mean, it's, yeah, what it's they're going like, for you know so like net, the, the vibes are so bad. Yeah,
1: it's a bullseye.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that's my war, track one, side one of this. Uh, so then we go to side two, which which Azra. It takes great lengths in this book to describe how outrageous it was that they would release songs this slow and uh this long. These all these tracks are like six minutes long. Uh it is funny listening to this in retrospect be, being like, Yeah, I mean this just sounds like a rock song.
1: Well, I say this with love, but when he described I had already heard side two of my war when I read this book, and when he was describing mm-hmm. it, I had the feeling of like did I listen to it wrong? Is there songs I missed on it? Cause he describes yeah. it so <laughs> like scathingly. It's like, it's not that It's not bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's mostly like taking it, taking it from the perspective of somebody who is like really into damaged and yeah. thinking that punk can only be a certain way because that's the other thing uh, that a lot of the rest of this book will get into is that by like 1982, there had been like a very like strict confinements of what could be and could not be punk Oh uh, yeah. And and people got very upset when you tried to do something outside of the, of those things.
2: I mean, here's what I'll say. If you thought you were going to a black flag show and you thought you were going to slam dance and get in a fucking fight and then they play this, I can understand how you would just be like What the hell, man? Yeah. What am I supposed to like? Where's the energy release, bro?
1: I I think it sounds cool, though. I love it. And it's my feeling is like, I I, I would understand having that reaction. But then it's like, after 10 more seconds, it's like, yeah, buddy, leave or don't. Like, it's not changing.
2: Right.
0: (laughs) And if you don't like this one six-minute song, there'll be like 20 more minute and a half songs happening. Yeah. But oh, my other favorite thing that we'll encounter often in this book is every time that he describes a band's first album and it's like cl- 10 tracks clocking in at six and a half minutes. <laughs> It's
2: cool. Test I mean, this heavy. goes on like this
0: for four more minutes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to the whole thing.
0: Yeah, we're going to sit here and sound. listen to the whole thing. Uh, but that is three nights offside side two of my war. Also important to, put out, to note that because they got, like, backlogged on track, on albums, they released four LPs in 1983 or 1984. Oh, yeah, because Slip It In came, like, two
1: weeks later or some shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: Which also confused because uh, obviously there's not that many outlets to like get the music out. And so like independent radio was like, what do you want us to play? you want, wait, this one? Are we still, on, are we still doing my war? <laughs> just, just very confusing. Um, so yeah, by, by 85, they're basically hanging on a thread as a band. Um, they kick Kira out, uh, Apparently they opened the tour that year Greg told Henry to his face that he didn't like him which is just so like Brutal. I'm just try I've never had an interaction like that in my life.
0: But before we go to the final breakdown of Greg yeah. and uh Henry can I just do a quick Kira sidebar?
2: Please. Uh Please, because she's yeah.
0: great. After uh leaving the band she would go on to form two separate bass duos. Cool. Uh her and Mike Watt who we'll get to next week. Uh were in a duo a bass duo called Dose Great name for a bass duo. She, uh, which, I mean, it's just a Chad move. To have to be like, you know what? No, two basses. And not only two basses, only two basses. Uh, she then went on to do a lot of uh, film work as a dialogue editor, including movies like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Under the Tuscan Song, and The Twilight Saga, New Moon. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Uh, That's cool. B- yes. She has won Emmy Awards for her work on John Adams and her work on Game of Thrones. And check this shit out. She was on the sound editing team for Mad Max Fury Road. Damn. What a career. Cool. What a baller. Shout out Very Kira
1: cool. Rossler.
2: She From gets Black a bum rap
1: in Black Flag for sure.
2: I'm just impressed she can like hear good enough to like uh sound edit <laughs> after playing like even a couple of Black Flag shows. Well, maybe she wore her ear earplugs. Yeah, it's hard to get a uh
0: a beat on her in this book because uh, her bass playing is is described it by like six different people as quote nimble, uh, which which feels gendered in a way.
2: <laughs> this smacks of gender. <laughs> it does.
0: <laughs> but she she must have been a fucking real hard ass to tour with the Black Flag boys for like over a year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Henry in a, a interview. I was I was actually doing digging. This is just my complete uh, personal interest. I was like, did he ever get married or have kids? And like looked <laughs> looked into it. And he gave an interview about the important women in his life. And he described Kira as a slip of a girl who could who was still incredibly tough, which I thought was funny because I you know that's that's a type. Especially because
0: d- during this era towards the end, my other favorite tour detail is that. Henry wouldn't travel in the van with them, but would instead get in the equipment truck and lay down on the floor in total darkness, surrounded by the equip- equipment the entire time that they were traveling between places. It's such a like, you can't
1: call that a prima donna move. You just can't. It just doesn't count as one, but like, it, it's got the spirit of one, but it's like,
2: yeah, he's way not asking for, for better on. treatment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. asking for like separate treatment.
1: Yes. Just
0: put me in the put me in the truck with the equipment.
1: You fucking, it's like, oh, we got Diana Ross is is coming. She wants to be kept in the trunk face down.
0: Stored <laughs> like a plank of wood. <laughs> just be buried alive. <laughs> He's also is he speaking to the I don't know if you were gonna get to this, but just also the vibes at this point where uh Greg is traveling with like a suitcase with like a pound of weed knitted every time because he's just like an all-day blazer at this point, mm-hmm. Where whereas Henry is not taking any substances other than coffee, quote, by the by the pot.
2: He's uh, he's doing the the comedic, you know, holding up the, 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 pot, the pot like a drink, mug. Yes, but yeah. actually doing that. But actually, for real. That's um, one of my favorite so
1: Black Flag songs, Black Coffee, yeah. I assume is written about making fun of him. I don't know what the... <laughs>
0: celebrating one. making yeah. fun i don't know something
2: uh, um so yeah the the band is is kind of uh is 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 not not doing well they their tour the one where uh greg told henry that he didn't like him it's just like the same old shit the crowds are smor- more and more sparse there's still police breaking up their shows still fights um It's illustrated by an incident where uh, one roadie is so frustrated by having driven uh, a distance in the wrong direction that he starts a trash fire inside of the van and just drives (laughs) for, like, 50 miles with a a burning pile of trash just, like, sitting in the middle of the van. Um, And then meanwhile, there's bands like R.E.M. who are, you know, independent, but they are, you know, looking toward major label deals and getting more uh, people listening to them. As Azarad writes, the transition from underground to alternative was underway, um, and the way that Black Flag kind of uh, deals with this—it's funny because it's not like Henry Rollins is poking at Greg and being like, "Let's why don't we record like a, a nice uh, sh- sheeny pop album?" Yeah. He basically says, "Hey, Greg, maybe we can make one album that is this like a similar to the." album before so (laughs) our fans can stop like catching up to us it's so gentle (laughs) right yeah right like like maybe let's like give the fans a chance to like get used to whatever our fucking vibe is before we change it again and then greg pulls the plug (laughs) like (laughs) his response to that is like um well seems like uh, you know that's going commercial and uh instead uh, i'm ending the band and so the band ends in uh the, the way that he
0: does that is he calls henry up and says and Greg says not the band is over but says I quit Black Flag knowing that Black Flag can't exist without him
2: that's a that's a flex right there
0: yeah what a fucking um, freak I, what a weird <laughs> way to do that just
2: uh
0: i don't know yeah, yeah. it it feels it feels very uh i mean passive aggressive isn't even the right word word for it it's it's very just passive uh, it's like checkmate checkmate henry
2: Right. I think, doesn't it's funny. say
1: at one point that Greg Ginn like, communicates telepathically with bad vibes? I remember that phrase really yes. sticking
0: with me. It's like <laughs> I think that he does say something like that, yeah. God. Oh my
1: God. The thing I did, I just didn't want to let go of because it's so evocative to me. And there's two little like mini stories in there. One of, with the suitcase full of weed, where uh, things get really bad with Greg Ginn and Henry Rollins because Greg Ginn's mom asks Henry does my son smoke weed? And he says, yes.
0: Yes. Which is that's like
1: so funny. If you're older than 17 and that's like a wedge between you and a friend, like you got to fucking, something's really wrong. Right. <laughs> and the other is the Snickers story where Henry Rollins steals $1 from like the tour fund to go buy a Snickers. And then somebody sees him eating the Snickers. and They're like, where did you get that? And he's like, and it's a fucking, it's a problem. I can't, <laughs> things have been bad in my, I've slept under a broken window in the winter that I couldn't fix. Like I, I've i been in like dire <laughs> situation before, but I've never been to have to justify a Snickers to my bandmates bad before. That's
2: bleak. Yeah, that's tough. Especially after being together at that point for like seven years, like you would hope for a slightly better, uh, just, you know, circumstances snickers you, you would hope to upgrade your problems a the, little
0: the fucked up dynamics go out because even just drilling more to the, Gre- the thing with henry and greg's mom is that greg was would only live in their practice space but greg's mom was really kind and they had like a shed out back so henry was like living in greg's mom's shed and it got to the point where it was like Greg's mom was acting like as a mom to Henry and they were forming a good relationship but Greg didn't really have a good one with his mom so they had like this weird fucked up mom dynamic between them. Oh god.
2: <laughs> Nightmare. It's
0: very <laughs> weird when you're banned, when you, yes, when you're like getting into your mid-30s or mid-20s as both of them are and like your relationship with one of, platonic relationship with one of your buddy's moms is becoming a real issue between you.
2: God. It's a real and American like, Pie situation.
0: Well, this is part of why I get so I'm so defensive towards
1: Rollins. It's like the story of Black Flag from his perspective makes a lot of sense. It is like mm-hmm. you know, it's like a fucked up, but it's like a hero's journey. Like there is like an arc to it mm-hmm. that you can follow. The story from Greg Ginn's perspective is. Nonsense. It is chaos. It is a weird control freak (laughs) silently ruining his own life for no reason. It's so weird. Just a
0: string of people who hate you left in your way. It almost sounds like I bet you'll you'll get this reference. It's almost like time bandits or something, Branson, where it's like the little kid who goes on the journey is like a heroic adventure. But if you look at it from the perspective of the (laughs) like the dwarves who kidnap a child to take them to this fucked up journey to the end of the universe. Uh, you know, it, it it makes less sense.
1: Yeah,
2: hmm.
1: that's a beautiful way to put it. That's a Gregin's <laughs> so weird. That's my takeaway of from Black Flag. Yes,
2: so weird. Amazing that he held together a, a band. I guess the bar might be on the floor, but shout out to him, <laughs> him for that because uh, that doesn't even seem remotely easy. They and they did a lot of shit. They t-
0: crossed the country like dozens of times, mm-hmm. and like he ran a record label that functioned and signed real bands and put out their albums yeah. Yeah, it was like good it Was With like a yeah. good record la- like
1: i can imagine doing all of that and the record label sucks and it's like yeah fine you, you were busy of course but it's like it's sst like jesus
2: yeah they put out a bunch of great shit mm. well the button i i would personally put on the black flag chapter is that i just thought that this was incredibly funny is that when when asked kind of uh to Summarizes his time or his feelings about being in Black Flag, Henry Rollins said, my only regret is that I didn't join them earlier, so we <laughs> could have done it more years. I had a great time, and it was an honor playing with someone like Greg Ginn. I mean, they don't make him like that anymore. They certainly don't. I just think it's so funny, like re- reading about the the suffering he went through, just like this starving, broke guy who just constantly attacked by the audience, like stabbed in the chest, people bottling him, throwing bags of like vomit and uh, and piss, and uh, and he's just like, I wish I could have done it longer. What is that? That's growth. That's what that that
1: is. That's- <laughs> That is a a, a grown man mm. reflecting back positively. I didn't hear shit like that from Greg Ginn in the chapter. I, he, didn't say, he didn't have a nice word to say about anybody.
2: That is true. That I remember. That I haven't read point. the chapter in a while. <laughs> no, that is that is actually very exemplary of someone who is, has done some reflecting and can uh, bring some, some mature perspective to a pretty immature time in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, if I remember, and Molly, maybe you're even closer like physically to the book, I feel like Greg's last thing is like, yeah. I guess I could have done it better. <laughs> he, <laughs> no said, shit, he said, <laughs> I
2: think, I think Black Flag promoted the idea of just jumping off the ledge and doing it. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, it's a, it's a, that's a pretty decent legacy. If, if, if you yeah. fucked up your band and you a bunch of your, uh, the other people around you's lives for like a few years, nothing like life spanning traumatic, mm-hmm. but you did make a thing that created the paths that will allow every other band in this book to do what they did and make, Generations of kids after you be like, I mean, shit. If a a weird antisocial, neurotic control freak like uh, Greg Ginn can do it, maybe I can too.
1: And like, obviously, 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 you don't get Black Flag without him being a huge freak of a man. Like, right? Like, yes. obviously, that one comes. But could you fucking imagine what the rest of the '80s and the '90s would have looked like if he was just like 10% more normal and the band was able to like you know, make some, like Rollins suggested, make some of the same album every once in a while or, like, you know, just, like, last a little yep. longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which Rollins does. Rollins puts out, yeah. what, like a dozen Rollins bands album in, in 12 years uh, or something? Uh, from mm-hmm. It's, like, at least 10 albums. He goes I'm looking it. at the discography. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he becomes, like, an MTV guy, and he wins a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album. The picture of him at the Grammys is one of the funniest... Uh, Music industry pictures I've ever seen. Have you ever seen that, Branson? I don't think I know this. No. If you're in front of a computer, I I just pull up uh, Henry Rollins Grammys really, really fast. I think you'll enjoy what you see.
2: (laughs) Maybe I'm. I'm. I don't know how many people have gone to the Grammys in sweat shorts. A very particular kind (laughs) of shorts. Not any shorts. Sweat shorts. His formal shorts.
0: Yeah, I mean he he does it. He goes for it, and then he quits too. He I was reading about the end of his career. He put out his last music album in you know the early two thousands, and then just stops. And people are like, "Hey, Henry, are you going to make more music?" And he's like, "No, I'm done with that. I, the I I ran out of music in myself." And I, <laughs> I just saw
1: the picture. It's it's pretty good. That's the exact amount of respect the Grammys deserves. Is like show up in your gym clothes.
2: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> agreed more people like even even the so-called you know not to to call out like a, a billy eilish or whatever but like these people with like very rebellious uh like sort of external shells like they, she seems like a rebel but she goes to every award show deck to the nines in in fucking yeah. chanel like have a little fun with it girly come on there's yeah. there's there's ways out of this and he also uh, huge
1: shout out to rollins for by his own admission he has very little musical like anything you know he's like a he's a vocalist mm-hmm. and he is like a very like hardcore guy vocalist but like beyond that he doesn't really play any instruments like and here he is at the top of the world like winning grammys like he was in black flag like huge respect to that i can barely play guitar like that yeah. rules good
0: for him
2: yeah yeah he did he did it himself
0: yes uh he he has the energy and has the will and he is a he is a one of a kind there aren't that many other, I mean, we've, we've been joking around about like found a guy type of types of guy stuff, but there, the truth is he is a mold and he is foundational, but there just really aren't that many people who are the, ex, who bring the exact same energy that he brings to anything. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think like the earnestness Earth could sustain too many of the, you know, it's like, <laughs> <What? Yes. laughs>
1: it's like an apex predator. Like but, there can only be so many grizzlies before like the, the environment starts to collapse. Like, right.
2: Yeah, what, what, once he uh, moves on to the next realm, we'll, we'll get another uh, uh, version of that, a, a very malevolent baby. Oh,
0: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, I mean, I don't want to harp on that picture so, too too much, but the other thing about the Grammys picture, and I'll post it on the Twitter, is that is it's the squarest I have ever seen a man's head look.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like die cut. It's great. I mean, he's in great shape
1: uh, through it all. Huge shout out to him, yes. you know? Wait, so if we're talking Black Flag... Are we is it now is time to talk about 2013's What the Oh yeah,
0: the Flag album? Yeah.
1: No, the Black Flag, not the Flag album. The oh, Greg yeah. Ginn Black Flag 2013's What the which is if look it up I think it's perhaps the ugliest album art I've
0: ever seen in my life. I I have seen this. It's it's truly horrific, especially considering how classic and intense all the other Black Flag cover, covers are. So do you have I, I, we, I would wasn't specifically going to bring this up. It is very funny. Do you have any particular things that you would like to talk about this? About what the? Yeah. Have you listened to any of it? I have listened to I listened to
1: all of what the... I listened through to it one time when it came out, and my verdict is not that bad. It's not <laughs> good, but it's definitely, like, it has every right to exist, and, like, I might <laughs> listen to it again one other time. All right. I finished. Right. I, you know, it's not terrible, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, wait, do we want to talk about the flag
0: stuff with, like, the rest of the band? We can, Yeah, we could talk about this. I don't think that we have any, like, notes prepared for this. But oh, okay. Molly, I'm not even sure if you're, like, aware of this. But in, like, no. the 2000s, basically competing versions of Black Flag got back together based okay. on different lineups. Because, of course, by the time you get to the year 2000, there are enough former Black Flag members out there <laughs> to compose, like, three different versions of the band. Uh-huh. Could you imagine if, like, The Fall
1: did that and it was just, like, a city's worth of people?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, talk about another band that needs a pensioners program. (laughs) Uh, So the idea was that in, like, two thousand, late two thousand ten, two thousands, Greg Ginn got a version of the band together to play, like, a few one-off benefit shows and then also put out this album, What The?, But then at the same time, some other competing former members of Black Flag got together and put together a a group called Flag.
2: (laughs) Flag, okay.
0: (laughs) That also played some shows. And like, I think the guy from Screeching Weasel did the vocals for the new Black Flag album. And then maybe um, Keith Morris did the- Keith Morris was was vocals for Flag, yeah. I mean, it's
1: like Dukowski was in Flag and like Bill, it's like- it's black flag, you know what I mean. Like flag is more black flag than black flag was at that point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, v- it's very funny. Uh, I don't think that there's much takeaway from it other than like bands are complicated, yeah, and especially if you fire like all the people who you've ever had in your band until you have to fire yourself to stop the band from existing, uh, you're gonna and you're gonna wind up with situations like this. Uh, but it, it's just it's just funny
2: my my former black flag uh members have have unionized <laughs> 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 oh god that's all that's all I got from the bookend the, the bookend
0: so they are the first band covered in this book um because they they kind of burn earliest and fastest. They were their shadow looms over basically everything else that happens in here. So as part of a mini series, we will be coming back like most of the other bands, crisscross w- with these guys in some way or tour with them, or uh, you know put out albums on SST. So you kind of have to know Black Flag before you know the rest of the scene because they are the ones putting the you know putting the first marker down on all the um, on all the literally the venues and the flop houses mm-hmm. and the, the you know starting. Meeting the people who start the records and zines in these little cities across the, uh, the 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 country as this scene grows up, but yeah, that's Black Flag. Any any final thoughts?
1: It's uh, I'm glad. Thank you so much for having me for the Black Flag one. I, I wouldn't have you you know, you sent me a list of like, oh, which ones you? Be, I wouldn't have even dared ask for Black Flag. You know, it's like, oh, how dare I be the Black Flag? Guy. You know, it's like it's, it feels like big shoes to fill, but there's such a like. I it sort of made me realize that they're one of my favorite band. I wouldn't have thought of them as that, but it did sort of, like, make it occur to me. It's like, yeah, I just think in terms of hours logged and, like, just like what you're saying of, like, the the shadow that they cast over, like, the rest of how I listen to music. And also how I, like, conduct myself in my own life is, like, mm. they were a big influence on that. I think in a good way. Not the you know, I, you take the good, you leave the a lot of the bad shit. But, like, you take the good shit and there's sure. a lot... That's there, and I do think it's very funny. In the, I'm sure you guys will get into it, but in the rest of the book, it's almost like um, I, I I used to watch all, all the like thirty for thirty documentaries. Sure, or, oh like, hell yeah, the, the Coach V one. It was one of my favorites. The like uh, the the um, survive in advance like, and that you know how that college basketball team they come up against what's his name uh, Christian Laettner from Duke, and he's like this horrible wretched villain who you just like despise, <laughs> and then a little later. You watch the 30 for 30 on Christian Leitner himself. And that same story, it's told from his perspective. And it's like a farce. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe I was a bit of a jerk. What are you going to do? It's so funny to me watching Black Flag appear later in the book. And they like have all these cameos later on. And I think they're so <laughs> funny later on in the book. But that first chapter, you go through it and it's almost, it's a like tragic. It's like a r- classic tragedy. But then just to see, you know, when you, when you, change the lens a little zoom bit zoom out yeah. yeah they're very they're a very funny band anyway thanks for having me yes
0: uh you're very you're very welcome this has been great having you on and i think that this is the exact energy uh, branson here is the exact energy i wanted to put on them because they are it is both deadly serious to them but it is also extremely funny so funny how seriously they took it and it sucks yeah. that this phrase is associated with Trump because it is a perfect phrase to describe so many things, which is like they're the perfect band to take seriously, but not literally, you yes, know? yeah, like you don't have mm-hmm. to live mm-hmm. inside that all that like tortured like dark uh like nihilistic anger of the band, but the things that take seriously are that they took themselves very seriously and they worked really, really hard constantly to make something that up to their standards of goodness and intensity, and I think that that a lot of that other than being like a weird, standoffish, non-communicative uh, guy like Greg Ginn but a, a lot of the, the values that they help pioneer uh, about taking their art seriously are good values to hold close to, your, to oneself as as you try to do stuff, especially if you're trying to do things outside of traditional systems.
1: Yep. So there you have it Black Flag did nothing wrong please don't listen to the lyrics <laughs> of Slip It In right after hearing me say that
2: Yes, exactly <laughs> Uh, that's that that's a very large uh, grain of salt we've just uh, wheeled out onto the stage. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, well, all the, the biggest time biggest I slip grains it of salt in, ever.
1: I did want to mention the shouting mount up to like imply that you're about to have sex <laughs> is so funny. That is such a funny lyric. That's
2: very funny. Mount up. That's What's very else? funny. <laughs> What's also
0: because like I mean even like in that terms you even if he's trying to write like a sexual song, and there isn't a side in the chapter that they were like a notoriously horny band yeah. because women being nice to them was like the the highest form of comfort that they could dream of experiencing. It's so seeing sad. Seeing they like lived in a, <laughs> yep. as they like literally lived in a hole and ate on ate scraps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know we're nearing the end, but I I just have so many anecdotes in the movie Decline of Western Civilization Part One. During at one point, Spherus and her team go and interview black flag and they're living in the basement of a church and there's just this hilarious scene where she's like going and seeing how they're living and they look around and like one you know they're all they have like cots on the floor and then they go in through the front door and like up through the room and then turn around and you see over the door to the room there's this like tiny above the door closet and Rollins just opens the door to it and says like I live up here <laughs> 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 like in a closet that is the size of a coffin god I bet he uh, loved
2: it I bet it, it helped him, you know, feel alone with his thoughts.
0: Yes. Um, but unless, Molly, you have any final thoughts. No, I, I, I,
2: good. I feel good. Right, great. Well,
0: then let's move confidently into the end part of this episode. Branson, thank you much for, so much for joining us. We yes. kind of already went through. Thanks for the, having me. We're glad to have you here, and you're happy to be here.
2: Still uh, glad, still glad.
0: Still glad, still happy. I I Do you up. have anything that you would <laughs> like to plug? oh god
1: i got a few things i got this book hell was full uh i didn't talk about it once but i got comics if you liked me talking on this podcast fuck it maybe you'll like my comics uh it's a, it's from Oni press it's available wherever you get your books uh don't use amazon be a person and uh, uh check out uh my podcast root tales of magic where i play D. it's um Honestly, very similar energy to what I've been doing here and in, into Black Flag. Uh, if you're put off by the idea of a and d podcast,
0: I get it. With, the, with Black Flag energy? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can vouch for Rude Tales. It is uh, wonderful. It is extremely well-produced. Branson uh, has the right combination of both like earnest good storytelling and also just very rude tales. Thank you. Honestly, I think that, that Rude Tales does have uh, a lot of 80s hardcore energy to it. Uh, and that all these boys are just like rude little gremlins. I'm going to cry. I I love to hear it. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Unless you've got anything else. I I have no plugs other than that. This is the first part of this series. We're going to be releasing episodes slightly more uh, regularly during this time. Hopefully going to try to get one of these out once every 10 days. Wow. Uh, This is something I should have had before me, but... uh, Give me a second to just look up so I can list the bands of Our Band Can Be Your Life as a teaser. All right,
2: <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Oh, like All right. It's, uh, we've already done Black Flag. That's what we've been talking about. If you're still listening to this, that's the band. Uh, Minuteman. Mission of Burma. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this, but this podcast has been about Black Flag. Dumbass. Uh, Mission of Burma, Minor Threat, Who's Screw Replacements, Sonic Youth, Butthole Surfers, Big Black, Dinosaur Jr., Fugazi, Mudhoney, Beat Happening, and then hopefully uh, a bonus with uh, the man himself, Michael Lazarad.
0: If you like any of those bands at all, you probably are, would be interested in all of them. This will be a, a really fun little series. I can't wait for this. We have guests lined up for guests. Uh, I can't say as good as Branson uh, to Branson's face, but we as good or better than Branson. Yeah, no, I'm a- <laughs> uh, uh For our <laughs> <laughs> it all of better. These, <laughs> uh, you gotta start high and then just go from there yeah. uh, for all of these episodes this is gonna be a lot of fun please stick with us uh, the show is and introducing you can find us on twitter at and intro pod mm-hmm. or send us an email at and andintrodu- introducing podcast at gmail.com our soundcloud is as always at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro
2: dash
0: pod and we will be back very soon With the Dang Minutemen, the band who coined the phrase, Our Band Could Be Your Life. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'll be a really fun one. Those guys also rock. They all rock. Anyway, until then, we are tired of your abuse. When you try to stop us, it's no use. We're going to rise above.